Kick the jukebox, it's so much fun. Kyle and Louie are number one. Kick the jukebox, kicking a rhyme. Talking about music all the time. Oh yeah! Hello everyone and welcome to Kick the Jukebox. I am one of your hosts, Louie Perlman. Hi, and I'm Kyle Gordon. And we're here to talk about music, have some fun. Kyle, how are you doing? What's been going on? I'm doing very good. Uh, Very busy this month, and that is um, the reason why I've been listening to this next song nonstop. Um, (laughs) What? What, okay, first of all, okay, before we get to that, sure, okay, okay, what, okay, okay. what have you been doing? Like, you're, I, I was just at your My Dark Little Corner show. You yes. have a band. Yes. Tell, I, tell me a little bit about that. Yes, I am part of the band My Dark Little Corner. It's a pop punk emo parody band. I would say everything from like Blink-182 to, I, I would say, okay, if I had to make a square, like the, 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 What's it called? The um, like a Venn diagram. Venn, Venn diagram, or mm-hmm. like a, what's the thing? Like a, on an axis. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Is like in one corner it'd be Blink One Eight Two. One corner I'd say is like My Chemical Romance. Mm-hmm. Then maybe one corner is like maybe more emo-y stuff like Jimmy Eat World. Mm-hmm. And then maybe another corner is. I don't know. Maybe. You have to fill in that fourth corner. <laughs> yeah, I have to. I have to fill in that fourth corner. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I mean, I'd say that's sort of the comedy element, right? The yeah, parody the element is yeah, the fourth. Right. Yeah, is the fourth, yeah, he's corner. The fourth corner. Sort of like, um, like I compare you guys like to you're like a, you know like you're like a classic novelty act, but updated for like the right. modern day. Yeah, exactly. So maybe in that final corner is like Doctor Demento or, yeah. or some of his people. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. yeah, it's because it, it is it is cartoony. It's not like a pure uh, like one for one. Pay. I, I feel like we're not quite Spinal Tap because we're a little more cartoony than that. yes yeah i agree with that yeah no i went to your show it was awesome yes, i had a, yeah, i had a really really you. good time yeah and it just seemed like there were so many elements seemed like you were really busy yeah. and we were talking about this you were listening to a specific song or album over the last few weeks to like calm yourself down yeah what was it kyle uh i was listening to something that has nothing to do with any of those bands i've been listening to <laughs> cherish by madonna and the whole like a prayer album but specifically cherish What, what drew you to cherish during these times of difficulty, or, or not difficulty, but just like times of like extreme busyness and yes. creative output? Well, because I think I well, I think my sensibility and I think yours too mm-hmm. lean very pop heavy. But mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, I need like a pure catchy pop song. Mm-hmm. But my tastes vary to how cent how central the catch poppy catchiness is to the song. So some might be more experimental, but at the end of the day, I need, like, a catchy hook. Yeah. And Cherish is just, like, the purest shut-your-brain-off pop song, but then also it's, it's like, just a really, really well-constructed pop song with a great melody and a great hook. Yeah. So I could, I could, I could just, I, I didn't want to completely zone out, but I needed to jam out and just, like, needed music that would 
literally shut, let my brain shut off, but while still being like engaged, if that makes sense. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. I think that good pop is really, really engaging, and mm-hmm. it's like really it needs to be rich and Mm -hmm. that means that it needs to surprise you Mm -hmm. and cherish is like so brightly produced Mm -hmm. and it is so hummable however there are like very surprising elements to it Mm -hmm. and i think that the the hook has to do with that and also like something about cherish i find interesting is i think it really fits well with madonna's earlier material But it was actually recorded a little later on. Yes. It was recorded for um, Like a Prayer. Yes. uh, Which is from 1989. Yeah. Which is a little later Mm -hmm. for, you know, in just Madonna's career. It's like past Lucky Star. Which is... It's past Desperately Seeking Susan. Yeah. Which is where I thought Cherish it's actually fell. past Papa Don't Preach, even. Yeah. yeah. Which is when yeah. Madonna was sort of getting a little more emotional yeah, and more serious. Right. Yeah. So why do you think she put Cherish on that album that also has, like, like a prayer on it, Express Yourself, yeah. which is, like, a little more of a deep gay anthem? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Cherish is, like, really, like, a pure love song. Why do you think it's on there? Well, I think the album was kind of... I mean, it wasn't a compromise, but, like, they... The, that album takes so many stylistic turns, mm-hmm. but while still having sort of like more of an R&B, funkier lean, leaning to it. Like mm-hmm. Prince produced uh, a song on that yeah, album. Yeah, which you can tell. Yeah, yeah. oh my God, yeah. it's so Prince. It's yeah. just Madonna singing a Prince song. Do you remember the name of that Prince song? Yeah, Love Song. Oh, Love song. Uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, but it's super Princey and super... And there are other songs that are kind of on the album that are like slower and more princey and like yes. uh, Dear Jesse is like kind of got like a almost a classical element like mm-hmm. with the big strings and stuff and Oh Father Spanish Spanish Eyes is like a slow like the ha- second half of the album is like yeah, really it's, slow. It's much more ballady. Yeah. But Cherish comes near the end of the album yeah, exactly. and it kind of picks it back up. Yeah. I'm which not is sure cool. if it's on side one one or two. I think Cherish is on side two. Probably side two, track yeah. one. Yeah, 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 of that album. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something I learned about Cherish just uh, this week is that it was co-written by Patrick Leonard, who was also mm. the producer on the track. And something that I really like about the song is that he intentionally put in the line, Cherish is the word, mm-hmm. which is a callback to a song from the 60s that I really like that's also called Cherish, mm-hmm. that's by the band The Association who also had a really catchy pop song that was called Windy, mm-hmm. which we could probably do a whole episode about, because <laughs> Windy's really kind of an amazing, very, very cool song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, Cherish is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm surprised. I'm not, I'm, no, I'm, I'm actually not surprised that it's calmed you down, <laughs> that it calmed you down yeah. during times of stress. Yeah. yeah. But the, the whole album is just, and like, I've been going through a general Madonna phase, like, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, as work picks up and everything, but then, uh, particular this album because it does satisfy like because some of the early stuff is a little too sterile you mm-hmm. know for and, you it is yeah, yeah, yeah for me like get into the groove is like perfect yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a, yeah. but this it has a li- it's like a little thicker the production on this album mm-hmm. um and 
But yeah, Cherish is like, it's still a little sterile. It's got like some depth to it. Yeah. No, it's bright. It's very yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What have you been listening to of late? Well, okay. So um, I was really lucky a few weeks ago. I got to go to a really fun benefit in Fairfield, Connecticut that was for a program that's called the Kennedy Center, but it's not the Kennedy Center that we know of. It's a <laughs> whole other organization that has the same name. Carl Kennedy. Yeah. Yeah. Like it I literally is another Kennedy and I need to... I don't remember who it is, but um, the Kenny Center, what they do is they provide programs for people who are um, on the autism or Asperger's spectrum. Oh, cool. Yeah, and uh, they're doing some music programs right now for kids on the spectrum, and running the music programs is Steve Scales, who's one of the members of the Extended Talking Heads. Oh, that does it for y- Louis. Yeah, totally. As you will come to learn on this podcast. Yeah, and they're, <laughs> they're my all-time most favorite band, and I adore the Talking Heads very, very much. Um, so he was playing, and Chris and Tina from Talking Heads were playing, and then Nona Hendricks was playing, who's also a member of Extended mm-hmm. Talking Heads. A lot of people would know her as being a member of the group LaBelle, mm-hmm. uh, who, you know... Nona Hendricks came out and sang Lady Marmalade, mm-hmm. and I was like shocked at how great it was to hear that song live, yeah. sung by the correct person. <laughs> I was like so into it. So That's then I was crazy. like looking into Nona Hendricks, and that brings me to the song I want to talk about today. The song uh, I've been listening to a lot is this song by a band called Material uh, that's called Bustin' Out, and it has Nona Hendricks on lead vocals, and uh, I think it's amazing. It is a really cool song. Like, it's like, um, it's like a driving bass. It's like a kind of like a like very disco-y song, but like definitely there's this like looseness and kind of roughness and because uh, like the the bass is really clean and driving, mm-hmm. but pretty much and the vocals are like she's like a diva, mm-hmm. you know. And One of the best divas. Yeah, with like an amazing, super powerful voice. But like everything else about it feels like, yeah, punky and no wavy and like uh, kind of just like keeps it loose and freaky in this like kind of awesome way. And and this band uh, came out of like the no wave scene mm. and uh, were quite a bit more experimental. Yeah, I don't really know much about them. Neither do I. Yeah. This is based on some very preliminary research. But they made a decision to go a little more mainstream with their sound, and this is the result, Mm. which feels cleaner than a lot of no-wave acts at the time, but also is still very weird dance music. Right. It was on this compilation called Mutant Disco that I was listening to, and... There, it's like such an interesting and unique time in music. Like, there's never, it kind of didn't really. It, it, this music only exists. It's like so specific to this time, mm-hmm. like seventy nine, maybe seventy eight to like. Yeah, I think 80. the song is from like nineteen eighty specifically. Yeah, 80, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, even even seventy eight is going a little maybe too far back, but like yeah, nineteen eighty is just like right on the cusp, and. Um, and it's like everyone's wondering if disco is going to do anything in the U.S. and people are playing around with it before people totally throw it out the door a year or two later. But yeah, I th- it's 
really cool standout track on that compilation. Absolutely. And we can't talk about this uh, track without discussing the guitar solo at oh, the yeah. end. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Which really comes as a big surprise. <laughs> And yeah. it's very messy mm-hmm. and and unpredictable right. and uh, is really a surprise at the end of like such a strong groove for the rest of the song. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. It yeah, right. It, like because it's such in a lot of ways, it's a really precise driving almost clean sound underlying the song and then this guitar solo when i first listened to it i think i was a little zoned out and i just the guitar tone could easily be like a hard rocker metal Mm -hmm. like you know hair metal typey band sound like it's a pretty standard clean like guitar tone but the way they play it is like they make it just really messy and really fun and just weird as hell yeah absolutely i i really love this song uh and i really love that whole compilation mutant disco i Mm -hmm. I recommend uh that everybody checks it out because there's some gems on there of a very specific time in dance music history and very much a specific time in new york music history as well that i think has just never been uh repeated right yeah um yeah, this song feels really New York. To really, me. yes, yeah. absolutely. Uh, yeah. All the the cross mingling of different genres, yeah. different yeah. different musicians working together. Right. And and something that I want to track down now is apparently Material were one of the first bands to work with Whitney Houston. Oh. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna try to track that down, yeah. and maybe I'll find that for next month. That'll be. Uh, we'll include that our our next month's. Uh... Our next month's Spotify list. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, I want to segue out of that, and I want to talk about something very important that uh, Kyle and I have found. Mm-hmm. By the way, the best way to segue out of anything is to say, I'm segueing. I agree with that very much so. <laughs> so, so I want to talk about um, Kyle and I are music archivists, mm. and we're big fans of a lot of different artists and bands. And we found uh, some unreleased audio mm. recordings from the Ramones. Yes. And it's it's fascinating. It's actually the Ramones in their acting classes. Yeah. We were uh, down in the National Archives. We spent the last two months down there digging in the crates. Um, there were times that we were not allowed access, and we were sneaking into the... Uh, um, into the you know uh reserved uh section of the national archives yeah because we're sneaks yeah we are big time sneaks Mm -hmm. and you'd be surprised i'd say 10 percent of everything at the national archives is some is dedicated to the ramones yeah they are shocking it was i was amazed but we finally found this um uh this uh audio and we are very glad to share it with you now it's very interesting it was recorded in california Mm -hmm. right before the ramones started shooting rock and roll high school yeah so i mean that's i think that's all the setup that you need yeah so ladies and gentlemen some brand new ramones audio recordings that no one's ever heard before let's go 
Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you for coming in. Uh, you know, it's me, your acting coach, uh, John LaRue, and uh, we are here today in beautiful downtown Burbank to teach uh, the Ramones a little bit about acting. Uh, Dee Dee, how are you doing today? Oh, yo, yikes, I got the bubblegum stuck in me hairs. Oh no, have you ever tried using baby oil to get out bubblegum from your hair? It's, it's a really good way to get out bubblegum. What? I just, I've got years and years of bubblegum in my hair. Are you kidding me? There's a way to get this stuff out? Oh my god, you know, I, I guess this is a bit of a bigger problem than I thought it was. Oh, but yeah, yeah. But, uh, baby oil will do the trick. Whoa. Oh, I, I won't remember that, but that's, hey, thanks for, thanks for the tip. Now, you know, we're still waiting on your scene partner for today. Oh, here he comes through the door, uh, Joey Ramone. It, it is a pleasure to meet you, Joey. I'm a big fan. You know, you are a rock and roll icon. Hello, Joey. Oh, hey, oh, sorry, sorry I'm late. I was uh, busy uh, listening to Be My Baby by the Ron you know, I just love that song. It's really beautiful. It's a great song. Like, I need to listen to it at least seven times a day to feel mentally stable. You know? Oh, Didi, how you doing? How are you? Oh, hey, Joey. Uh, hey. All right, all right, all right. Guys, I, I don't have you for very long, so uh, let's get to it. I'm going to have you improvise through some scenarios, and I want you to make them really, really high stakes, and then I'm going to analyze the scenarios and see what you need to become better actors for your film, Rock and Roll High School. Do you understand, Dee Dee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you understand, Joey? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, acting. All right, gentlemen, all right, let's 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 keep the train on the track here. Okay, so here we go. Uh, scenario number one. Dee Dee, you are an angsty, young, teenage son who needs to take the keys to the car from his dad in order to go out carousing. And Joey, you are the reluctant father who wants his son to stay at home and study. Right? Do you, do you two understand? Yeah. 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 Okay, whatever. All right. All right. And scene. Hey, Dad. I'm angry as hell. And I want to go for a ride. Hey, well, can I use the keys to the car and make you a little less angry? Yeah, can, can I have them? Yeah, here you go, here's the keys to the car. Great, you're my dad. You are my son, Dee Dee Ramone. And you're my father, Joey. We live together, and you're my father about that. And scene. Okay, all right, that was what a really was good start. No, 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 there's no problem. That was a really, really, really good start. That was great. That was great. It's There needs to be some some excitement here. So uh, let's, I'll think of a new scenario, maybe one that's a little more high stakes, okay? You've both been stuck on a desert island, and there's only one coconut left. You need to figure out who's going to eat that coconut and who's... Who's gonna perish on the island? All right. Oh, uh, island. Where is it? Is it in yeah, the bar- yeah. It's in the Barbados. Yeah. Where is it? Is it in the? Is it on Rockaway Beach? Where's this island? Was it in Cucamonga? Yeah. Cucamonga. Yes, the island is on Cucamonga. Right, okay, Cucamonga. boys. Okay. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one. Scene. We're stuck on this island. Yeah, we're here on this island. Oh, look at this. Look at this. Uh, we got Tarzan. Swooping around. <laughs> He's a flying around with Superman. Yeah, yeah, flying around with Superman. Tarzan and Superman. Yeah, That's yeah, pretty yeah. funny. Uh, who, who do you think we're going to fight? Tarzan or Superman? Okay, so I think that, like, it would be like Superman would be winning, winning, winning. 
but then Taz and McCall's animal friends, and they kick Superman's ass. Yeah, exa- exactly. Because you think it'd be Superman because he got he got so many powers, but actually Tarzan, he uh, he he's got he he he's got so many friends. <laughs> Superman ain't got no friends. That's right. Superman is a loner. He ain't got no friends except Lois Lane. Who's like a girlfriend and like he's like mean to her. He's yeah, not nice yeah, to her. exactly. You know, she got no power. She can't do nothing. And uh, so we're on this island. And fine by me. Great! I'll eat the coconut. You'll, you'll die. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fine. Issue, well, issue resolved. Well, look, Tarzan just beat Superman. Oh, everything worked out. We were right. What a story. End scene. Uh, okay, that was. Really just a discussion about who would win in a fight, Tarzan or Superman. Yeah, that's great. It's important. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Acting is acting, yeah, right? Right, D is acting. Yeah, that's, that's acting. Okay, alright. I'm I'm really gonna raise the stakes here. I'm I, I just I really want you to get to the meat and potatoes of the scene, alright? So so what I wanna do is I wanna do a scene where Joey is dying, alright? In the hospital. And Dee Dee, you're coming in to say goodbye. You're saying goodbye to Joey. All right? All right. Okay. Dee Dee, like, I'm like, uh, I'm not long for this world. I'm gonna shove off this mortal coil. I want pizza. I love pizza! Yeah! Did you get, do you get vegetarian pepperoni for me? Yeah, I got half veggie, half pepperoni for my friend, because he's dying. Oh, let's eat this pizza. Yeah! Yum, 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 yum. I wish this was real pizza, not just acting pizza. I know, exactly. If I had this real pizza, I would put this down in my tummy. You know where I wish we were right now instead of in Hollywood? I wish we were at Grimaldi's eating a really Yeah, good pizza. we were at Grimaldi's has sucking down a fast slice yeah. and getting a couple garlic knots, drinking a drinking a coke and uh yeah. and then going out for, for malts. Yeah, you know what? I haven't had a really good egg cream in a long time. I've been on tour we've been on tour, it's been a lot, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Screw the we we should go. You wanna get out of here and get some pizza? Gentlemen! Gentlemen! Stick to this! Stick to this! He's dying! No, but seriously, seriously do you want to get some pizza? Yeah, yeah, let's go get some pizza. Okay, okay. Uh, Mr. LaRue, nice to meet you. We're going to yeah, get some pizza. Get some... All right, let's wrap this up. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah pizza is shit, but still, so yeah, we should yeah, go yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Bye, Mr. LaRue. Yeah, bye, Mr. LaRue. Boys, you you paid for three hours. You used me for ten minutes. Yeah, that's how we do it. Oh man, that was some amazing material. Incredible. For Ramones fans, that was, I mean, that's never before heard. I know. Heard. And, and, and you heard it here first, here on Kick the Jukebox, yes. folks. It's very exciting. Yes, It's exciting cool. for Ramones fans, for fans of good acting. Yes. For fans of Alan Arkish films. For, uh, you know, histo- 20th century historians, and maybe even historians... World historians. That's right. That's right. Global historians. Yes. So, I mean, this is the perfect time, it feels like, to delve into talking about Rocket to Russia. Absolutely. So, so Kyle, I mean, this is one of your favorite records of all time. Why is that? Why do you love it? Uh, Well, I think we talked a little bit about my taste at the beginning. I mean, this is, these are pure, boiled down, bubble gum, and surf rock songs, essentially. Um, And... But they've got an edge to them, and they've got—they're like so in your face. They d- 
demand attention, but at the end of the day, it is just simple pop songs. Yeah, you know, I think that when you say they have an edge, uh, I think what you're noticing is is the humor and the lyric writing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's it's really one of the funniest rock and roll albums of all time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's certain tracks, uh, you know, like um, "We're a Happy Family." Yeah, is really, hilarious. It's really sardonic and it's yeah. really funny and it's really really dark. We're a happy family. some of the other tracks that you think are particularly funny on the album? Uh, Teenage Lobotomy, Clean yeah. Hop is really, really funny. Yeah. And, and it's just like, it's playing on these like 60s teeny bopper tropes, mm-hmm. but putting it through this like sort of slightly warped, because they're not, because the Ramones are so unique, and it's so weird how they're heralded as like the prototypical punk band, but there's really no, like, there's like sensibility and sense of humor is so unique like uh the cretan hop is like it could have been called the like boogaloo hop or like whatever mm-hmm. so you know uh it could have easily been uh like a brill building pop song from like 1961 but they but it's like it's like it, it, it's so uniquely rooted in that time period and that their sense of humor is like unique but also could only have existed at that time i feel like it was kind of this like 70s post nixon like um misanthropy i don't know what else to call it but then also they are so indebted and like genuinely revere these like bubblegum pop songs of the 60s i think that what we're really talking about here what we're segueing into talking about is the s the overall aesthetics of the ramones uh-huh. that made them so unique at the time mm-hmm. and still really really unique mm-hmm. and uh i feel like basically what they did is they embraced a lot of pop tropes from the 60s mm-hmm. they also embraced a lot of trash from the 60s yes. as well and but they're very smart Yes. Uh, they're smarter than anyone gives them credit for. Mm-hmm. I, I really feel, although Joey Ramone was looked at as being the smart one, I actually feel they were all really smart. Yeah. Uh, I think they were smart in their own ways. I think that Dee Dee was a really impassioned songwriter. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, Rockaway Beach on this album was written by Dee Dee. Yes. And I think that... I think that what they did is they took their childhoods and they saw that it through a sardonic filter that other mm-hmm. bands at the time didn't really have, mm-hmm. and, it, and it really made them actually very postmodern. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's it's very interesting to me that they came up with other bands like Television or mm-hmm. Talking Heads because I feel like all of those bands were taking the culture that they grew up with and reinterpreting them in their own ways. And we'll get into those other bands in future episodes. This is about the Ramones, but I... 
do feel the conversations were happening at CBGB's at the time between all of those people that were very, very similar. Yeah. And then they took those conversations and used them in very, very different ways. Right. Sonically. Yeah, right. And I think now it's no secret, but I think, I mean, none of those, those CBGB's bands get lumped together, but they are, they, sonically, I mean, there's a common uh, maybe worldview Mm -hmm. almost, but, or, or, you know, way of uh, incorporating their influences but at the end of the day they don't sound anything alike of course and like no um, and, I, I and think their personalities the... too are so different like we, we were talking like the Ramones are like punk like a quote unquote punk band but at the end of the day these were guys who like collecting baseball cards and you know chewing bubble gum and you know like they're kind of like the all quintessential like all American guys but like if they were like some demented bizarro version of that it's like we were saying uh he, he's like the like the Ramones are like the bizarro version of like Tom Hanks's character in Bane that's right, right? like they you, have you did all say the, that earlier they that's, have all the yeah. same tastes the same like <laughs> Like, uh, yes. you know, the, the baseball card and the spokes of the wheels, like, you know, uh, like... Yeah, yeah, they're sort of the quintessential, like, boy that lives across the street from you, but yeah. is also the smartest kid on his block. Yeah, right. So, like, he wants to do all that boy stuff with you, but then he also, like, wants to, like, have a conversation with you about Ronald Reagan. You yeah, know? right, <laughs> like, exactly, exactly, exactly. Like, yeah, which, which is interesting, and, and definitely comparatively just to talk about those cbgb bands just for a minute you know like comparatively to their contemporaries like talking heads who were very very art school or television once again where you know tom verlaine literally named himself after an you know 18th century poet yeah uh that is so interesting to think about that comparatively to the ramones who intentionally gave themselves all the same last name (laughs) so that they were like a unified group of brothers right And then also, something that's like a fairly unsubstantiated fact, I've heard different versions of this story, but I'd like to believe that it's true, is that Joey Ramone, you know, who was born Jeffrey Hyman, he named himself Joey Ramone after my favorite songwriter, (laughs) Joey Levine, who uh, wrote Yummy, 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 I've Got Love in My Tummy in the 60s, and he sang it as well, and Joey Levine has... uh, this whiny punk <laughs> proto-punk drone yeah. uh that i think joey ramone was very influenced by mm-hmm. uh yeah and um that's that's uh, talking about joey levine's a whole other podcast but i do feel like it's worth checking out actually some of the other bubblegum stuff that joey levine wrote mm. specifically there's a song called mercy uh, there's a song uh, that is called uh, Come On My Baby. And I think both of those songs are like very indicative of early Ramon songwriting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I would not uh, be surprised if that was the case for Joey. And first of all, I think more than anyone in the band, he had the bubblegum mm-hmm. taste. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, like, you get some, like, you get so you get some good covers on this album, too. Of course, yes. the classic. Surfing bird mm-hmm. and um, and well, do, do you want to dance? dance? Do 
Yeah, which uh, I think is the quintessential cover of that song. And oh, that song, absolutely. That song's been covered a lot, actually. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know, wait, the Beach Boys is not the original version? No, oh. the Beach Boys is not the original version. So, Do You Want to Dance was uh, originally written and recorded by Bobby Freeman, but it was covered a few times before. It was mm-hmm. covered originally by the Beach Boys, and it was also covered by the Mamas and the Papas mm-hmm. as well. Um, but I think the Ramones version of it is like the quintessential cover. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, uh, I was, I think um, that song is—it's such a seamless cover. And I think it's not always the case, but I think a sign of a good cover can be if it feels like it could have just been. That feels like it could have just been a Ramones song. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Surf and Bird while their cover is amazing, mm-hmm. feels very much like a cover. Yeah, it's definitely uh, the surfiest thing on that album, yeah, right? Definitely, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, but yeah, the Ramones' Do You Want to Dance, it feel it's just such a seamless... Because it really is like a three-chord song, you know, with a, like a Ramones song. And it's also... Uh, it's literally just verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, all the way through. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the only thing about it, I feel, is it's a little less sweet. Or Ooh. sorry, it's a little more sweet, my apologies, than a Ramon song. You think Do You Want to Dance? Is more sweet, it, they yes. don't, it doesn't have that, like, well, there's like, bite to it. Yeah, there's yeah. this sardonic edge, which right. I mean, can bring us into talking about the Ramones originals on the album. Right. You know, Sheena is a punk rocker. Let's right. let's start at the beginning. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, Sheena's a punk rocker. There is a longing in that song right. that is very tangible and very identifiable mm-hmm. to youth. Yeah. And I think that's what made it such a powerful anthem for the punk movement. Mm. But she just couldn't stand. She had to break away. But New York City really has it all. Oh yeah, oh yeah. She is a ball rocker, she And I feel like just, you know, Do You Want to Dance doesn't have that edge to it, you know? Um, like they're making fun a little bit of discotheques. Right, right, song. right. Yeah. Um, they're talking about how punk music is a bit of an alternative for the disco kids at the time. Right. Uh, or the surf kids. Yeah, yeah, or the surf kids. Although I do feel the surf thing is a little more of just a joke yeah, that they're throwing okay, in. Yeah. Well, I mean, what do you think about that, Kyle? Because I mean, it's <laughs> like, it's not like when they were running around. Uh, New York in 1977 when the album was recorded the two warring factions of teenagers were disco kids and surf kids there were no (laughs) surf kids running around right? right. I I think uh, yeah I think it might just be the the imagery like the imagery that they go to that they Mm -hmm. you know they they, like but yeah I think like this album because I'm trying to think of other like but I feel like Joey loves songs like it's not on this album, but like I want to be your boyfriend. Yes, uh, it's just pretty pure sweet. That you know? is true. I and think like, you want. I want to be your boyfriend. Might be the sweetest. Yeah. Ramones written song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and if someone wants to challenge me on that, that's great. But I'm gonna <laughs> come out and say it. That is yeah. the sweetest song that the Ramones have ever written. Yeah, and, and it didn't get much sweeter. It could be like 
they kind of lost a lot of the sweet ones later on, but that's true. Um, that's true. They got deeper later on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I feel like I believe in miracles is sort of a really cool, yeah. sort of epic sweeping song. Yeah, yeah. that is very genuine. Mm-hmm. But but this album in particular is really a lot of tracks where they're poking fun at shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Like it's almost their version, I'd say, of Mad Magazine. Yeah, the, right. Or yeah. National Lampoon. Well, not quite National Lampoon, but yeah, yeah. It's just not quite as smart as National Lampoon. And it's not, or it's not smart quite, in the same way, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think it's National Lampoon's was way darker. Mm-hmm. You know, this 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 is Mad Magazine. Yeah, this I think you're right. Yeah, so <laughs> much so that you know there's these cartoon inserts in yes, the liner notes, which are awesome, which are great. Yeah, yeah which are drawn by John Holstrom, who yeah. was the editor and chief cartoonist of Punk Magazine, mm-hmm. who was a friend of theirs at the time, um, mm-hmm. and who sort of are illustrating all of the uh, the the actual lyrics. Are there any like specific illustrations that you really 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 like from the album? We can the, talk we're about. a happy family. Yeah, one is pretty amazing. Uh, and I also I just think like the back cover um, with like the war. I I was a kid who just like was obsessed with like maps and mm-hmm. world like being like you know playing pretend on the map like mm-hmm. imagining armies like fighting each other. So just like that image is so cool with all the cartoony like little elements on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like awesome. Yeah, it's it's amazing and it's definitely a lot of a lot for a kid to look at and yeah, also right. something that a kid could absorb because the that was something else that was going on at the time. I think the Ramones were very influenced by is that a lot of the art styles at the time were very very direct. Uh, and like John Holstrom, I feel you could group him into this group of artists and cartoonists at the time that also contain artists like Keith Haring or James Rizzi. Mm. They call themselves urban primitives. Mm. Um, Basquiat is another one of them mm-hmm. where just like, it doesn't take a lot to absorb the art. It really hits you and you get what it's about right, right. away. Yeah. yeah. Kyle, what's your favorite track from this album? Uh, I actually, I mean, I want to say Sheena's a punk rocker. I think that's like the purest, best uh, I mean, I'm also a big Joey fan of the Joey songs, and that's the Joeyest Joey song, mm-hmm. and it's like they just nailed it with that. But I think I also have to say Rockaway Beach. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Rockaway Beach is really charming. Yeah. Yeah. And I also just love the imagery of, like, any New Yorkers out there know, like, it's not an ideal... It's like a surfy-type song, but it's about... It's not a beautiful California, uh, Caribbean beach. Like, Rockaway Beach is, like, kind of not that nice of a beach. Totally. <laughs> yeah. But they love Especially it. back... Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, they found that so charming, and it's... So charming for us to sing, for them to sing this like uh, ode to like a gross beach. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that too. And like, mm. I really love about Rockaway Beach, uh, like basically that they were such East Coast boys, mm-hmm. and they wrote like a quintessentially West Coast song. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like like that is that song is pure Beach Boys in yes. a really wonderful way. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and it's so funny. A few years ago, 
Brian Wilson was asked, you know, what do you think of punk music? And he literally replied, I don't know what that is. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In an That's interview. Amazing. It's very interesting because oh, I think so sweet. It is sweet, <laughs> but I feel like he would have really appreciated yes. uh, specifically Rockaway Beach. And I think he would have understood, you know, the the nod to him. Yes. And, and I've never, you know, I don't know if he's ever even heard the song. I've never heard him comment publicly on it, you oh, know? Oh my God. Yeah. Someone should just go out and show him because, yeah. I mean, like, that's what I always say is like, I think, I mean, I love, love the Beach Boys and I hear... So I hear so much of like, especially early Beach Boys, yes. like pre Pet Sounds Beach Boys. I hear that so much in the Ramones. Yes. I like it is just, uh, or like the Today album, which has uh, "Do You Want to Dance" on it. Like mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. just put like crunchy electric guitars and like kind of make the production a little. I mean, this this the production on this album is really good. But and let's talk about that yeah. actually. So this album was, was produced by Tony Bon Jovi. Mm-hmm. He is Bon Jovi's cousin. But what's interesting about him is he also produced a lot of disco. Mm. He produced all of that Mecco Star Wars stuff, mm. which is really interesting and is very lush, mm. but is also very silly. Mm-hmm. He also produced... Around the same time he produced this album, he produced the first Talking Heads album, mm. Talking Heads 77. Mm-hmm. And they, Talking Heads, I know they wanted to work with him because they were very concerned about giving themselves a more mainstream sound. Yes. Now, the Ramones were also concerned with that. I think they approached it a bit of a different way. But at the time, they had just heard never mind the bollocks here come mm-hmm. the sex pistols it had just been released and they wanted to give this album a more sweeping big sound mm-hmm. apparently they talked to tony bon jovi and the engineer on this album and they were like that won't be a problem mm-hmm. and then this album sold poorly mm-hmm. despite having an excellent sound this mm-hmm. album is very accessible mm-hmm. it is not too harsh it mm-hmm. sounds like big classic rock and roll just played more more quickly yeah, right yeah, yeah. it failed and the the ramones blame the sex pistols for this yeah. album failing do you feel there's truth in the accusation like that that's why this album wasn't as successful they really wanted this to be a big breakout commercial hit yeah. and it wasn't for them it didn't sell very well why do you think that is i all oh, i definitely i i tend to believe it um, because yeah. I think the Ramones, they were already fighting an uphill battle mm-hmm. in terms of mainstream accessibility just by their, I don't know, it could have, I mean, they were so ahead of their time and mm-hmm. like, I think mm-hmm. for it to really be a pop song on the radio, I mean, rock music like that wasn't even on the radio. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, you know... Kansas and Foreigner and Boston. That's a good and, point. Uh, yeah, in 1977. Yeah, yeah, right. And, uh, I mean, people were hungering for something else, but um, I think even without it, it would have been an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. And to, to have the added thing... Because it, it was so New York, like, you know? And, mm-hmm. and art scene music people gave a crap. But, you know, if mm-hmm. you're going to sell this... To 
in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to do you any favors in 1977 to have people saying, don't buy anything that's punk. Mm-hmm. And it's a bunch of guys with leather jackets singing about Sheena's a punk rocker saying it like that. And they didn't see, they don't see the nostalgia kitschiness of it. Yeah, and they weren't shock artists. No, they and, weren't. And the Sex Pistols were. Right. And they really, what they prove at the end of the day is that punk was a genre that was had a lot of variety. Yes. And that although there was a directness to the music that I think wove its way through everything that we can call punk up to this point, at the time, listening to the Ramones is was really different than listening to the Buzzcocks right. or the Clash or the Sex Pistols. Or even like television, who were considered punk at the time, yeah. or Patti Smith, right? Who now we would listen to, and we wouldn't yeah, yeah. initially differentiate as being punk, right? Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I was saying, yeah, it's so interesting because it also makes me think like the Ramones didn't. They had a clear image, but they didn't have. They can you think of like a PR stunt? That the Ramones ever did. Absolutely they, not. You know, they, that that they, wasn't what they were into. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, they they were quiet, angry guys. Mm-hmm. They'd hop in the bus. Mm-hmm. They'd hop in the tour bus. Or they'd hop in the van. Mm-hmm. Go city to city. Mm-hmm. At the end of the night, they have a few drinks. They go back. They get up and do it all again in the morning. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, the, they're not going to be, like, Sid Vicious where, like, wherever he goes, it's a story. Mm-hmm. The Ramones were, had an awesome image. They had a very clear, cohesive you know, thing, but at the end of the day, like, there are no, nothing they ever did got in the news. This is true, you know? because they weren't in it for getting yeah, out of Yeah, absolutely, which is, which yeah. makes them so awesome and endearing and charming. Mm-hmm. And also, really, I mean, maybe there will be some listeners that disagree with me on this, but... I personally haven't listened to Nevermind the Bullocks since I was a teenager. Yeah, right. And I really liked it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I started listening to the Ramones when I was about 16, 17, and I've really never stopped. Yeah. It's just I just have this ongoing relationship with them, and I think that's the case with a lot of the fans, that there's always something new to notice in their music that right. gives them a few different layers that maybe Absolutely. their contemporaries didn't have in that way. Mm-hmm. But it's a shame that while they were around, that they sort of were beaten down by this whole notion, yeah. right? Yeah, and I, I buy it. I 100% buy it. Mm-hmm. And But then I could also see, you know, because supposedly the story is that, you know, Johnny came in with a copy of Nevermind the Bollocks, and yes. he said, we gotta outdo them, yes. as you mentioned. But, like, I could see... I, <laughs> it makes so much sense to me. and Because, uh, like, if you hear Johnny talk about the early CBGBs era, mm-hmm. he's like, we were the best band there was there was no competition, uh, you know. We were better than every band except Talking Heads, and they were doing something else. <laughs> yeah, very they, different. They, they were doing something yeah. different, so we didn't even care about them. He's like, uh, you know, Richard Hell, he was a junkie. Uh, <laughs> you know, like whatever. Television it didn't make any sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, it's just so funny, like, cause like you think like it also kind of goes against the punk ethos. I mean, I don't know if it goes against it, but I mean, he just like he he was just like. They wanted to be stars. Yeah, they wanted to be stars, but yeah. they were like these, like New York, 
uh, like kind of just goobers. Like, goobers, yeah, they goobers, were, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, which was a wonderful thing about that. Yes, and, which and is the best part. It's like, but the fact that they were like so clearly wanted to be like, it is, it is, it kind of fits into that image. Like, I want to, I want to have a hit song on the radio. I want to hear, hear my song played on the radio. Yeah, and instead of leaving us with just one or two radio hits, basically what the Ramones did, and especially on this album, mm. is they left us with a plethora mm. of different alternate universe radio hits from like a like weird, like bombed out version <laughs> of 1965, yeah. where the kids... Uh, want to dance, but they are all mutated from like some like terrifying war with Russia. Yeah, and and they they but they still need pop music, and yeah. and in, in certain ways that's sort of what I think the central like crux or theme of this album is. Yes, you know, I, I think that's a perfect way to describe it. Um, uh, yeah. That, that being said, what would uh, we sort of delved into my favorites, but what would you say is your favorite? track on this album well if i wanted to be like a snobby music mm -hmm. critic mm -hmm. uh i would say i want to be well because it's really well written it like deals with issues the ramones were dealing with in their lives mm -hmm. Um, you know, like, I think it's sort of, it's about drug addiction, among other things. It's a little slower, it's like not, a, it's not that typical, uh, like, or prototypical Ramones sound structure. Yeah, it has yeah. more of that relaxed pace, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. awesome, which, which is great. Which you get a lot on this, uh, kind of like a little janglier, maybe some upstrokes from uh, Johnny at some point. Yeah, 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 that's a that's <laughs> definitely something that you as a guitarist would notice that <laughs> yeah. I would not notice, yeah. that I do think is, is, is great about that song and about some of the other tracks on the album that are a little more ballady, mm -hmm. a little slower. But I, I'm not going to go with that as my favorite mm -hmm. song. Um, I'm, uh, I think I'm gonna go with Teenage Lobotomy. Just, just like a big, bold Ramones classic. Mm -hmm. And, like, the main reason why I like it, like, this is a complete, honest confession, yeah. is because I really love the line, now I've got to tell him that I've got no cerebellum. <laughs> I think it's literally one of the best written rhymes mm -hmm. of all time. Yeah. And, like, rhyming tell him with cerebellum, <laughs> I feel like it, it could only come from... Uh, the mind of a Ramon mm. and like every time I hear it I get really excited yeah. it like it's just I just think it's just like a classic classic Ramones moment and like mm. maybe a really classic rock and roll moment it's just yeah. such a funny smart line right and you know and we're both comedians mm. and I think that I, I always say when people are like who are your comedy influences <laughs> I often name bands first yeah. and then I think oh my god I'm such a pretentious asshole <laughs> but like I think this album is so genuinely funny and mm. I think that like the wordplay of Tell Em Cerebellum is really emblematic of what makes this album work so well and right. why I think it's so genuinely funny mm -hmm. yeah I think it's a perfect example of like how the Ramones, especially on this album, they're like 
smart kids playing dumb, mm-hmm. you know, and they mm-hmm. are not going, and they're not, they're smart kids with, as I say, like, smart kids with really good and really specific taste, mm-hmm. both in comedy and music, mm-hmm. so I think they're like, they thought it was hilarious, and that's why, but they were smart enough to not, they're not actually dumb, you know, but they... No, I don't they, think any of the Ramones no, were dumb. No, no. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like a perfect example. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I love this whole album. I'm glad mm-hmm. that we decided to talk about it for our first episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, this is a special one, uh, especially too, because like clearly we both grew up on this music. Yeah. And it really influenced us and, and we, we care about it a lot. Okay, so uh, now is the part of the show where we do a little dovetail and we talk about an album or a song that is related to our key album of the podcast. So uh, today what we're going to do is I want to talk a little bit about Bobby Freeman. So Bobby Freeman was the writer of Do You Want to Dance, which we talked about already as being a really quintessential Ramones cover on the album. Love it, love it, love it. Mm. And he was a like a big R&B dance guy in the late 50s, early 60s. He didn't really have any other big hits, but he did have a really large catalog of music, which I recommend you checking out, especially if you like, like very specter-esque, echoey, fun, direct dance songs, mm. like clearly an influence on Joey Ramone. Who would later work with Phil Spector. Yes, yes. yes. Who would later work with <laughs> Phil Spector in the ill-fated End of the Century <laughs> album, which we've actually already discussed Discuss, together. Yeah. yeah. So um, I want to talk about a, a song of his that I found that I want everybody to check out. And um, I'm not going to tell you what the title of the song is. I just want you to give it a listen. And I want you to tell me what you think he is singing about, okay? Mm. So here we go. Mary Ann Thomas, remember your promise. Mary Ann Thomas, you be true to me. You're my lover, don't want Okay, so do you want to hear what this song is called? This song is called Mary Ann Thomas. Mm-hmm. Mary Ann Thomas. Mm-hmm. But don't you think it sounds like he's singing Mary and Thomas? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so here's my question. Do you think that this is Bobby Freeman trying very subtly to sing about being in a thruple? <laughs> or am I crazy? Am I a crazy person? You know what? I don't think that's crazy at all. And I think that is... I mean, it's so funny listening to like old songs where they have to do the runaround to say anything. Yeah. I-, I could see like teenagers in 1960 having this exact same conversation of like... Do you know what that song's about? <laughs> but do you think that in nineteen in the sixties that kids even had the vocabulary? Yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. You're right. And and what I'm wondering is, 
Do you think it wasn't even a cons? Uh, you know, even underground, uh, like a teen, like teens wouldn't even thought. No, they were still learning how to give head. Exactly <laughs> yeah. at the very most, yeah, yeah, really. Right. You know, or no, not learning time. how, but learning that, that that's a thing, a thing that, that exists. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a thing in the universe. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and like, so what I'm wondering too is from the songwriter's perspective, and this is sort of taking a big leap that he was intentionally writing about being with two people or hanging out with two people, which I know is a leap, but do you think this might be a songwriter trying to create a language or a scenario for something to, to sort of play around with expressing this in that specific way? I would say 100%. This is the first, uh, first ever, uh, not only acknowledgement or allusion to, I think this song made the concept of a threesome invented it this song invented the threesome, <laughs> threesome yes you know what let's go with it kyle this song invented the threesome it's I very exciting it. yep marianne thomas by bobby freeman and it's a good song check it out it's a great little early 60s dance track yeah that is about sleeping with a man and a woman yeah wonderful marianne yes Well, Kyle, that's it for the first edition of Kick the Jukebox. How are you feeling? Great! <laughs> yeah, that was so much fun. I'm it was really to do more. It was really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun to just hang out and geek out yeah. about music with someone yep. who uh, knows a lot. But likewise, there's likewise. Some, thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Like there's some similar tastes. There's some different tastes. Yeah. And like speaking of different tastes, next month. Yes. We're going to be discussing one of your absolute favorite albums yep. that I have a lot of respect for and I really like, but I think it it just I think it hits your heart in a different way. Yes. Let's what what is it going to be, Kyle? We're going to be talking about Wu-Tang Clan 36 Chambers. Catch the blast of a hype burst. My clock burst. Leaving a hearse. I did worse. I come rough. Jump like an elephant tusk. Yeah, yeah which is going to be like awesome. Yeah. Very New Yorky, very, very much New York. like the Ramones are. Yep. But uh, I mean, stylistically, genre-wise, could not be more different. And we're moving to a different borough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're moving over to Staten Island. <laughs> good old, good old Staten Island. Good old Shaolin. Yep. Good old Shaolin. <laughs> uh, I just want to say, uh, I saw, got to see Wu Tang. Uh, I have too. Yeah. I have too. Yeah. I, I had a blast, so I'm excited to talk about that. Yes. Very excited. Uh, cool. All right. So uh, check that out um, on all of your favorite podcatchers. Uh, if you liked this podcast and you want to hear all the songs we were talking about, go check out my Spotify. It's Louis4711, and uh, we're making a playlist that is called Kick the Jukebox that's going to have every single song we either played or mentioned during this podcast. And it's also going to be posted in the description of this episode if you want to check that out as well. If you liked this podcast, please recommend it to friends uh, because word of mouth is going to be the way that uh, we're going to get a lot of listeners and we're going to get to do uh, a full season of this podcast. Cool. Adios, amigos. Adios, amigos. We'll catch you in a month. Kick the jukebox, it's so much fun. Kyle and Louie are number one. Kick the jukebox, kicking a rhyme. Talking about music all the time. Oh yeah!